As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Late night Midnight on the interstate And I didn't feel so great Welcome back to Straight from the Source, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is Michael Russo with my colleague Joe Smith coming to you from Tria Rink, right in the middle of training camp. Our guest today is Pat Maroon, Joe's old pal from uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And Joe, uh, you know, it is funny. You know, you're getting old in the business when you get to cover players a couple times. I've covered, that's happened to me a couple times. I actually covered, I think, Matt Collin three times, once in Florida, twice here. Mark Parrish, uh, both in Florida here. I'm pretty sure Daniel Charnquist was at a wild training camp once, um, or at least was maybe on the first team that I covered. And uh, I think Serge Paye as well. There's been a couple others that I've covered a couple times. But this is probably your first time that you've covered a player twice, right? I, I think so, yeah. I mean, in baseball, I did a little bit, but in, in hockey, for sure. And it is still weird seeing him in, in wild colors. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. I know it's not his first rodeo in terms of being traded and being on several teams. He's obviously with the Blues and the lightning and even in the flyer system before that. But, but yeah, he was such an integral part of that, uh, that leadership group and the team that won back to back cups. And it was such a close tight knit team that I was talking to you about yesterday. I was so amazed at how professional athletes, I know they're, it's part of the business, but they can just set, they get separated this next day. Hey, I'm part of the wild. This is my team. And, all the guys that were like family to me, like, I'm sorry, but I'm gone. You know, like just, it, I mean, that's part of being a pro, I guess. But uh, I think he's already ingratiated himself to the wild team, got out with some beers and, and lunches with some <laughs> of the guys. And I'm sure you've seen them around town, which is the old dominion concert with a bunch of the guys. So uh, I think the, the wild will find out, especially in that Sweden trip, how good he is at getting guys together. Yeah. And uh, he actually went to Sweden with the Tampa Bay lightning and you, you were there as well. I can't wait for that trip. You're going to have to, although I was just there, but you'll have to show me the real sites because I was just basically uh, checking out old, 
town and going to the hotel every day to interview players. Um, you know, Pat's an interesting guy. I mean, won a cup with uh, the Blues, goes to Tampa Bay and wins two cups with the Lightning, goes to a fourth straight Stanley Cup final and very easily could have won that series as well. Um, he, he is a winner. Do you buy into the whole pedigree, though, that that a player just knows how to win and adding that element to a locker room could help a team like this one that we both know has trouble maybe getting past that first round? Not maybe. They do. Well, uh, well, uh, I, I think it could help. Well, I mean, uh, you can't just single-handedly lift them to a Stanley right. Cup, but I think there are certain moments in a season we've all seen uh, there's ruts or ups and downs where a guy like that, you know, guys listen to them. He has that kind of pedigree. He has the voice and people, will, when he speaks, he'll they'll listen. And so I think there are a lot of times, even in the lightning seasons, where he was able to say something or calm guys down or get guys going and stuff. So I think that there is a value to having a guy that instead of saying, hey, we want, we hope to win a Stanley Cup, we think we can do it. This guy actually knows the ingredients in the room. So does Alex Galagoski and obviously so Marc-Andre Fleury. So to have more winners in a room can't hurt, especially for the role he's going to play. I mean, he's not going to be playing 20 minutes a night. Um, and the other part of his role, other than being kind of a, the energy and kind of the a voice in the room, which they've lost Matt Dumba and they lost Ryan Reeves, is that element on the ice. Like he holds people accountable. Like he'll fight Zeno Chara twice in a game. You know, he'll, <laughs> uh, you know, he, when, he, when he talks, he'll, he'll back it up. Uh, and so I think that's something that'll be really important with guys like Rill and Boldy, if people want to take liberties, they know that they have a guy like him. And obviously, Polino can fight too and, and do Haim. But um, to have a guy like that definitely um, makes it a little bigger on the bench, I think. Um, Wild, uh, let's talk a little bit about training camp and what we've seen so far. Uh, the Wild will have, by the time this podcast comes out, have played a couple exhibition games in Colorado and Dallas. Um, we have a couple cool stories coming this week. Uh, you have a Kalen Addison story that just came out this weekend. You have a Pat Maroon feature, mm -hmm. coincidentally, coming up this week. I have uh, a couple Erickson X stories um, coming from Stockholm um, that I did, or actually, excuse me, Carlstad, his hometown, I did with him. Everybody that's listened to this podcast or listens to me knows that I visited uh, Sweden last month, and in one part of my trip, I went up to Carlstad, sat down with uh, Erickson X and his family, so I'm going to turn that into a couple stories, one that runs now, one that runs later in camp or right before the season. Um, so we have some real cool coverage coming up. Um, let's talk about our first story that we did in camp. It was a, you know, a sights and sounds of observation of the first day and the biggest sight and sound that we saw was a, a Kirill Kaprizov talking to us largely in English, extremely tan, um, as as Marcus Foligno joked to you guys, uh, sun-kissed hair. Um, he looked like, uh, let's put it this way, two years ago when he came to camp after his holdout, or contract dispute, we should say, to get him signed, um, Dean Everson went up to him and said, you look chunky. He doesn't look chunky right now. No. He looks trim, fit as a fiddle, and ready to go. And he looks motivated, very motivated. I know that's a, a very popular term to use in training camp on day one, like everybody's motivated, but um, he's a legit superstar in this league, and how superstars are viewed in their legacy is by winning. And I think nothing means more to Kirill Kaprizov than winning. So the way that the playoffs went down last year, he wasn't 100% or wasn't ready because of the injury. He had missed a month of the last month of the season. So I'm sure he, if they get back to the playoffs again, he'll be fired up for that. But I just was impressed with how at ease he was in English and how, how much fun he had talking to us and i think that's only going to help him as season goes on handling all those responsibilities off the ice and being able to communicate in english he said he watches movies that in, that'll help him learn english but having that part is such a underrated part of someone's life and in, in game when they can understand english can communicate with teammates and uh, even deal with the press and not have to worry about um how many times we're going to request them and he just has that relationship i think that's going to be really important uh going forward but he looked like he was ready to go and looked like he's you know kind of getting maturing in into his young age here in the nhl 
Yeah, uh, you know, he is their best player and he's growing into a leadership role. What he does on the ice, they all follow. And you just, you know, you kind of wonder if later in camp, maybe, uh, you know, while we've all been almost earmarking the fact that Eric Sinek would get the A and assume Matt Dumba's role, uh, you don't need a letter on your chest to be a leader. And uh, maybe Eric Sinek uh, continues in that role, not having the A, it's him and Brodeen who have been here forever. And maybe you go and give it to a guy like Kaprizov, who you also have to resign in a couple of years. Let's talk about some of the other stuff that happened that day. Uh, you know, the really the only piece of news that day wasn't really news, but it was kind of news because Marc-Andre Fleury was addressing his future. We both know that he's eight wins away from passing Patrick Waugh for second all time in reg regular season victories. Um, he's he didn't want to go anywhere this summer. He made it very clear in his last uh, press conference of last season that he was not going to waive his no move, that he wanted to fulfill his contract here and not move his wife and kids, put them in new schools. He was even willing to take a back seat to Philip Gustafson uh, in that scenario as well. So he wasn't saying, I got to split time or be the number one. Um, but the one thing that he said is that he will decide after the season if he hangs it up or not. And, and um, you know, he said the one he doesn't want to think about it at all during the year, you know, because there are going to be ups and downs. He doesn't want to, after every bad game, think that oh, I should quit now. Mm -hmm. After every great game, I should sign a three-year extension. Uh, pretty Marc-Andre Fleury answered that day. It, it is. And if you watch him in practice, and like you, it's hard to think that he's at the end of his career. You know, mm -hmm. he's flopping around, you know, chasing every puck. He's doing push-ups after he gives up a bad goal. Yeah. Like, he just has so much you know, fun playing the game. You kind of forget that he's later on in his career is like 38 or something like that years old. Um, and so I, I think uh, it'll be hard for him not to think that about that this year. He's passing some really major milestones and uh, I'll, I'm sure it'll be helpful to listen to his body at the end of the year, listen to his family and see, Hey, do I'm going to go through this again? So yeah. um, maybe how this year goes, we'll play into it. Maybe if he, him and Phil Gusman do split time, he does have a really good year. Maybe that gives him an idea. Hey, I can still play another year with somebody else or even stay here. So, um, definitely one of the most respected players in the National Hockey League, and, and uh, it, it will be a worse place when he's not in it. Yeah, absolutely, uh, especially for the beat writers. Um, Jujar Kyra is uh, somebody that we both met for the first time the other day. I don't even think I've ever interviewed him in a scrum. A really nice guy, great quote, um, really easy to transcribe, which is the most important <laughs> part of being a great quote. Some great put him, quotes put him on the roster. Right? Put him yeah. on the roster. Okay, let's do it. Some great <laughs> quotes that we both know well are not easy to subscribe, uh, 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 transcribe, I should say, in uh, uh, one of them being Marcus Foligno. Um, he is, man, does he talk fast. But Kara, really nice and simple yeah. and everything. And, um, you know, right now in camp, uh, Ryan Hartman is a little banged up. He play, took part in all of practice, uh, you know, mostly. Yep, Saturday. exactly. Um, uh, but came off during battle drills the other day. Um, I don't think they think it's a major thing. It's an upper body injury that he suffered in the weight room. Um, and the Freddie Goudreau is a placeholder in the number one line. He's supposed to be the right wing, Marco Rossi and Marcus Foligno. Kara uh, took that right wing spot, even though he's a center. So he's more of a placeholder for Goudreau. Um, six foot four, penalty killer, likes to fight, but he's had, you know, the back injuries, had concussions. Trubo almost decapitated him a couple of years ago. Um, what do you expect from Kara? What do you hear about him from talking to Billy Guerin and Dean Evison? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, it was rare to have a power forward in this game. He's not a traditional power forward, and he's not going to be a big-time scorer, but he's hard to play against, which fits the grit-first model that they have here. Um, really good in the forward check. You know, obviously good in the penalty kill, a def defensive-minded forward. You could chip in, you know, good hands around the net, but uh, just quality depth to have at a very cheap price, right? And that's really important to think about him and Vinny Letary. 
Um, why I think they have a more of a leg up on making the team if they need a 13th forward or if there's an injury because they're at the, what, 775 mm-hmm. um, AAV, which they, the Wild only have, I think, at this point, 862 or something like that, um, up to the cap space. So, 818, actually. 818. Yeah. So I think they're really down to the nitty-gritty there. So I, but I think having a guy like him with experience playing on Chicago and Edmonton, um, obviously very motivated player to kind of stay in this league and establish him, his role, kind of like Benelitari is, too. So I think you have some guys that are hungry, they're trying to fight for regular spots, and competition only helps in training camp, right? Even though there's no really roster spots that we can really see, barring injury on this team, Mike, unless um, Marco Rossi, we'll get to him later, really kind of falters. I think that it's good to have injury, because his injury happens in exhibition game number three. You have a guy who can kind of come in and play center, can play wing and play for you. All the guys that were hurt at the end of the year are healthy, with the exception of Hartman, but it's a different injury. But Goudreau's healthy. Felino says he's feeling 100%. Zuccarello looks good on the ice. And Erickson X says he has no ill effects. He's from flying the around. Yeah. Like, like the guy is like number one in testing every year. And he's it's like crazy. Yeah, it's the one constant with this team is, uh, you know, first round exits and uh, Erickson Eck uh, being the number one in fitness test. Sorry. Yeah, I know. If you're for the wild, I apologize for that. <laughs> if you're the f- a fan of the wild, I apologize yeah. for that. Every now and then you got to take a shot. Um, you're, you're a resident uh, Brock Faber beat writer at The Athletic. Mm. Uh, uh, you've hung out with his, uh, you did the great story there uh, watching his, de- was his, his debut with his buddies. What was it? Uh, I can't remember the story. Yeah, it was, just, it was it the was home his, debut. Yeah, yeah, the home debut. Yeah, and watched with his roommates yeah. from the Gophers, and that was yeah. fun. Uh, they were having a great time, and I was happy to be yeah. there for. And you've written a, a ton of great stuff on uh, Brock and uh, you know I was really struck by he's so humble and mm-hmm. we you know we've all known he's known mm-hmm. that he was going to be Jonas Burdine's defense partner coming into camp and even the other days like yeah you know he grew up a wild fan so mm-hmm. he's watched Brodine forever and he said how surreal it was to play to be defense mm-hmm. partners with Brodine even if it was only for one day of training camp where we both know, like he was acting like I was going to mm-hmm. be taken off the 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 next day um, still drives his Jeep Wrangler from 2009 I think it yeah, is from 190,000 miles, miles. Um, uh, Living in a hotel, like, yep. give it. A, you know, I think we all penciled him in as a top four, and he was like, "I'm not staying in the hotel I mean, until I make the team, until they tell me to get my own place." Like that's, yeah. I mean, that's a good, that's a great attitude to have. Like, I'm sorry, Brock, you're going to be on this team, but like, it's. I love when players like don't take anything for granted and just, you know, he's like, "Hey, until they tell me to get my own yeah. apartment, I'm going to be." at the lovely Marriott uh, for a while. I did a Q&A with, with Dean Evison uh, uh, last week, and hopefully everybody read the, the, the two parts that we turned it into, Joe and myself. But the one thing that, that um, Brock, he said about Brock is that, look, he knows that there might be times where it might be overwhelming as a rookie to go out there and play against McKinnon, McDavid, Kachuk, whoever, uh, that we see Austin Matthews. Uh, you know, it's going to be the Matty Nyes versus Brock mm-hmm. Favor show in game two in Toronto. Um so, the, but especially at home, there might be times if there are tough matchups and he's struggling that maybe you pair him with Middleton and mm-hmm. and you, you really load up and go with a Brodeen uh, Spurgeon pair to go up against those top defensemen. Uh, but he just seems like somebody that I know that he thinks he could do it, and I think the Wild actually think he could do it. But it's nice to have that security blanket in your back pocket of Spurgeon. Yeah, yeah just in case. Um, but I, I really do think. I mean. They're going to give him a good run at it, and I think they'll, they'll let him get through some maybe some growing pains at first, if unless it goes really sideways, and then maybe mm-hmm. they'll, maybe for some shifts and put Spurge in there. But um, you know, everybody has to go through the first time, right? Even Brodine did the first time, uh, Matt Dumba did it for the first time. So I think he's been preparing himself all summer for this, um, and having a guy like Brodine on his left side is going to be so like a security blanket, so to speak, and a guy who can kind of erase some of his mistakes and be kind of a mentor to him. So. Uh, I think that'll be a really, really good uh, second pair for the Wilds um, this year. 
Um, and again, hopefully everybody read uh, one uh, uh, Joe's Jared Spurgeon sit down and uh, that one on one that they had last week. And then uh, and then the Dean Evison uh, uh, Q&A where he touches not only a lot of stuff on hockey, but a lot of fun personal stuff too. Um, tells you uh, uh, also that he's going to tone it down with the refs this year. That's the plan at least. That's the plan until something goes crazy in yeah. game one. Like that's got to be so hard for coaches to keep it in. But I think it does have an effect. Uh, on the mood of your team or the you know, vibe of your team if the coach is complaining and bitching at the refs and all of a sudden it just kind of gets guys riled up and they can do it so and plus these refs are human you know a lot more refs than i do mike like there's hard to shut that off of like this yeah, guy was they hold my, grudges this guy was in my ear the whole time like i'm gonna come back to minnesota this guy's in a bit better it was yeah. short leash just like in football too yeah no there's they do <laughs> they might say they don't they do um Marco Rossi. Um, is Rossi or Rossi? Uh, yeah, we're going to go back to Rossi. It's just easier, even though I think it's really Rossi. Uh, you can roll your R's better than yeah, I can. I don't know. <laughs> Take, took, took, uh, he basically said, that if people don't know, it was Rossi. Then he changed it last year to Rossi. And now he says he basically doesn't care. Like a lot of European uh, players do. They, they Americanize it for us idiots. And that, that's what he's willing to do uh, this year. So uh, he basically said, call me Rossi the other yesterday. So we're going to go back to that. At least he didn't change his number and spelling or something. Um, Let's talk about Rossi, though. He's put on 15 pounds since last training camp. Um, the one thing that, that uh, you know, has been a little misconception is that it was 15 pounds over the summer. He came into camp last year at 175. He's 190 this year. So, um, you know, 15 pounds, pounds since uh, last year. He changed his skating stride. I talked to Matt Harder for the story of the wild strength coach, and he told me all the stuff that they did in the gym. What was really interesting is he in the strength test, um, which is, you know, essentially they measure your strength and speed with trap bars relative to your body weight and how fast you move them and he was uh third in camp behind obviously eric Sinek and believe it or not sammy walker um so that and then i talked to andy ness their skating and skills coach and he basically said that that he was not pushing and loading and that they completely tweaked his i wouldn't say tweaked they kind of overhauled his stride you can see he's much he's much more on the puck over top the puck right now when you watch him in practice and uh so well, the one thing that i see is that he looks quicker even though you know who knows if it actually um uh affects his speed but the one thing andy said is when you when you push and you load the way that he is now it helps everything your your stride your power of your stride your efficiency your mm -hmm. speed and so now what he showed joe and you sat down with him in june is that he did the work in the summertime now we have to it's gonna be interesting how we measure his training camp because last year he led the league in points so if he has a bunch of points in the preseason games again it's gonna be hard to really you know, mm -hmm. buy into it until we see those lights come on against the Florida Panthers in Toronto, in Montreal, then the homestand and see if he actually, um, if all this work that he did in the off season, tr you know, transitions right onto the ice. Yes. It's gonna be weird to like, if he has a preseason where he scores a lot of points, like, Oh, not just annoyed him that way. But I think they're looking <laughs> underneath the, the hood a little bit in terms of all that stuff, the loading and, and this and the skating and the strength will be great with puck protection will be great for creating for himself. I mean, last year and you saw the NHL, like it wasn't like he was close to getting points. It wasn't like mm -hmm. he was like hitting three crossbars and getting in into the right areas. Like I think he's, um, needs to create for himself. He needs to add that, I guess that FU attitude that Billy said last year at Iowa, which he felt like he gotten his confidence back. But, um, until you see all those other parts, of his game coming together. It won't just be points that they'll be looking at this preseason. It'll be looking at all the other parts of it. I know they want to obviously start off with Eric Snack playing with Boldy and uh, Johansson, and they're just assuming that Hartman's going to play mm -hmm. with Zuccarello and Kaprizov. 
and that Rossi is going to play mm-hmm. with Gujo and Felino. But does it surprise you that with Hartman a little banged up, that they wouldn't just throw him a bone and say, hey, you know what? You did a great job this summer. That You showed commitment and determination by not going back to Austria, staying here. You did all the work here, skate with Kaprizov and Zuccarello early in camp. Instead, they go to the always the security blanket of Freddie Goudreau. Is it surprising that they haven't given him that 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 little bone? Yeah, it surprised me a little bit just in the sense, like, what is it? what would it hurt, right? I mean, other than getting all the eyeballs and, and, and social media clicks on him with Kaprizov and mm-hmm. getting, all the, getting all the hype ready for it. Let's say they don't want to get themselves in that situation where they have to kind of like, if he goes back and then, but I think it would be do really wonders for a kid to be playing on a line with those guys, even in preseason, even if it's camp, just to be, get, get a feel for what they what they're like, you know, it's just in case during the season, you want to put him in there. Mm-hmm. He has a little bit of chemistry with them. He can see, talk to them in between shifts in the line where they're waiting for drills. Like uh, it, it couldn't hurt. And so I, I, especially if it's Hartman's only like a two or three day thing, like why not start the camp with it? Yeah. Um, not that we'll blow it out of proportion, right, Mike? And I like, well, we'll we turn it into, he's a top line <laughs> yeah. center again. But I think if you want to reward guys for that kind of work yeah. in the summertime, at least give them a taste of it. Yeah. Like, I don't think it is priority number one that he's got to create this incredible chemistry right three weeks before the start of the season with Marcus Foligno. Like, yeah. I, I think it would have been a huge confidence uh, lift for him uh, to, to play with those guys and to also uh, feel that Dean and Billy, you know, still, you know, think he's a huge part of this organization. I think it, if you want the guy to make an impact, you got to lift his confidence because a lot of it is between the ears right now. And, um, you know, the one thing talking about Erickson, and Erickson alluded to this the other day with and when asked about Rossi. And I know what he was trying to say, too, because I have had long conversations with Ericsson in Sweden about what it is like for Europeans to come over here when they're 21, 22 years old. You know, we all expect them to be these finished products. But just imagine if you were an American hockey player and had a parachute into Sweden Mm -hmm. or Austria, not knowing the language, not knowing the culture, not knowing how to live, not knowing how to drive, all that stuff. It would be super, super, super difficult. And I think that is what... Um, peop, all of us need to just remember with Rossi, he lost a year of playing, one, his development. But two, this is a kid that's lived in small town Austria, mm-hmm. has not had the, you know, and then you parachute him into Minnesota, Des Moines, whatever, mm-hmm. and you expect him to just be Marco Rossi also after missing a year. Mm-hmm. I think that we all need to remember that I think a lot of us, mm-hmm. when Eric Snack was 21, 22, 23, figured, you know, it's time to run this guy right out of here, mm-hmm. that he did not look like he was going to be the guy that we see on the ice now. And now at 26, you look at him as probably their most irreplaceable player. And I think that we got to remember Rossi just turned 22 here on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's plenty of time before we have to start using the B word that some fans seem to love throwing around now with them. And I think if, if this franchise wasn't so, I'd say we're desperate, but, but so much seeking a number one center mm-hmm. for a long time, I don't think those don't, this would be quite as much of a rush, right? People think, Oh, top 10 pick. He's a center, which you need. Like, there's probably going to sense going to be a rush from mm-hmm. a fans or outside perspective. Like, hey, this would fix all the problems in the world if this guy was like the number one. Which yeah. it very well be very important for this franchise if he can turn out to be the guy that they think he is. But, but you're right. I think young players, especially coming from Europe, and also, um, you know, different playing pro there versus playing pro here. Your lifestyle changes. You know, it's hard to not see that the bullseye on you or the focus on you or the articles written about you and. 
So I, I just think overall, you know, he's such a mature kid. You, we talked to you spend more time with him than I have, but such a grounded, mature kid. And obviously determined. He, no one, he works so, his ass off. So I think all these little things are working for him. Just a matter of getting out there and kind of proving on the ice. And so hopefully he gets a chance to do that. Well, uh, last question before we get to Pat Maroon. Uh, you and I are going to be working on our Monday uh, columns that we plan to make a, um, a, a constant all mm-hmm. season. We started that last year um, in the second half. And so every Monday, uh, athletic subscribers can um, can expect a dual column uh, by Joe and myself uh, on the wild. Uh, notebook, some fun mm-hmm. things that maybe we didn't get in during the week, things like that. Our first one is going to run Monday, um, and it's going to be the topic on their unrestricted free agents. The Wild have a slew of them. Um, you know, the big three are Felino, Zuccarello, and Hartman. But there's Duham, there's Flurry, there's Maroon, there's Galagoski, mm-hmm. um, there's Kara, obviously. There, you know, there's you'll have some RFAs too. Like yep. Addison will be an RFA. Like yep. you know, so you'll so have different things. There's like that. definitely guys like that. But let's talk about the big three here. Um, you know, I'm trying to get a sense of what the Wild are trying to do. And reading the tea leaves, I do get a, a, a sense that they have started to have, um, you know, cursory, um, you know, uh, preemptive talks, let's call them, mm-hmm. with um, at least Felino and Zuccarello, maybe even Hartman as well. Um, I think personally, I feel like, you know, like, what's the rush? Let's see yeah. how they do this year. Because, you know, frankly, if you want them back too, if you if this if they do regress this year and miss the playoffs, you could be a seller at the deadline. These would be valuable chips and you could trade, trade them and even get them back if you, yeah. if you wanted to. Um, so I personally feel like what's the rush unless the term is perfect and the salary is perfect. Now I think Marcus Felino is somebody that Billy Guerin extreme uh, values extremely in this organization. And I think that he would like to get something done even under the same contract that he's working on now, which if I remember was four three. years around three. Yeah. Um, I think he would give them that right now. Zuccarello is the interesting one here because we all know that um, how important he is to Kirill Kaprizov, but they also got these European prospects mm-hmm. coming here in Europe and who's not enough and Ogren, hopefully if he's healthy um, right now, he's got a back issue that they're trying to figure out what, uh, how long he's going to be out. It sounds pretty serious. Um, but it, you know, to me, first of all, he'd have to take an incredible haircut on a 6 million a year Zuccarello, mm-hmm. but it's gotta be a midterm or shorter, right? And it's gotta be two, three years max for a guy that's already what? 36, 36. Yeah. 36, 36. I mean, he's, Obviously, still a very you know impactful player. He's a top line player for this team, so I don't see him necessarily slowing down. But as you get the aging curves for any player, I don't think they want to give him a like a long term deal. But I guess it depends on how much he likes it here, how much you know that chemistry with Zuccarello is important. And I, I know we have those 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 prospects are coming for the wild, but you know you don't know until you you see them. Right? They're still right now. They're still yeah. on the other. And I other think that's coast. how they feel. They're like, like they you don't know where they here. are. Yeah. yeah. So like. You want to be a competitive team next year too. Maybe if you want to do a couple year deal with Zuccarello, I don't know how many years he wants to play. We haven't talked to him recently about it, but you know, if he doesn't want to move his, he has a young family too. I I could see him maybe want to do a short term deal yeah. if he wants to stick around here. Hartman's the interesting one because yeah. this organization does love him. Mm-hmm. Dean loves him. Billy loves him. But he also just signed the most team-friendly contract maybe ever in the three-year yeah. 1.7. It's wrapping up. You know, you almost wonder if he, if he... I mean, I know he loves it in Minnesota, and I know his wife's from here. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, but you kind of do wonder if, like, his agent's like, all right, now you got to make up for this little bargain that we just gave you the last mm-hmm. three years and, and up his salary, especially if it's a big year. Mm-hmm. So that's the interesting one to me. Does he sign another team-friendly deal because he just loves Minnesota? Or, or is he going to be looking 
going to break bank here, especially if it was a big year. And if that's the case, he could be priced out. Um, it's I mean, he be could fun. be priced out. I mean, like I, th- I think the team loves him. I think he's a great guy to have in this team. Like he could play. He fits like kind of like what Billy liked to play like as a, when he was in uh, yeah. his career. So I think he loves that part of him. But yeah, I mean, this is you only have so many chances to make your fortune, right, or make your your money. And we. On this team, he's the number one center. So he's like, I'm a number one center. What should I get paid? Shouldn't I get paid like number one center, right? Yeah. Austin Matthews just got 14. Well, uh, not quite <laughs> that, but he, like, number one center who scored 30 goals in his past. Like, you know, I think that's a pretty good negotiating point, especially if there's not this flood of number of centers coming through this organization yeah. yet. So I don't know. I think you'd have some leverage there. But I think you're right. If, if That could be a guy where at the deadline, if things go sideways, he would get a lot of value, I think, in the market. And Heck, we, he went for a first-round pick a couple years ago from Chicago to Nashville. Yeah, so I think he's much more established now. So you can, if you deal him then, you can always resign him in summertime if that's the particular case. But um, I agree with you in the sense it's why rush, unless that deal is perfect and it makes sense from a cap mm-hmm. perspective the next couple of years. But because yep. that would be a much more fascinating deadline that you'd probably yeah. covered in a long time to yeah. have a three huge pending UFAs yeah. that but would even guys like do him anybody see? at the deadline would want somebody like him you know like there's or Maroon, a lot like yeah. Maroon, you know yeah there's a lot of players on this team goose I mean I don't think he didn't want to go anywhere last year so he probably won't this year but you know if he's been scratched 30 straight games at that point maybe that's the way to get him out of here uh you know he might be like all right <laughs> hand up it's time um Felino though, is the one that we haven't really talked about yet. As I, I would put him, if you had a list him, probably he'd be the guy that might be first up. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think Billy just absolutely thinks he's invaluable to this locker room and to the on this team on the ice. He is. He's a big part of their culture, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, you you could only lose so many of those chip away. Like you lose Dumba and all that stuff like that. But I think he's a really important part of this group, and he can still play. Like you know, I think. This is a big year for him. You know, he's not going to be necessarily doesn't have to be twenty five goal score like he was a few years ago. But he gets back to his physicality and forecheck and effective both ends of the ice and scores fifteen goals. Like that's a very valuable power forward guy to have. But if he, if he goes on the much less than the Matthews uh, uh, salary there, <laughs> if he gets in that three million dollar range, I, I think that. Um, it'd be an easy one for them to get done early in the season. Yeah. Uh, man, uh, it'll be interesting to see if, how quickly some of these get done because for a while I thought that Billy was going to wait and now I'm starting to read the tea leaves that they're at least talking. And if players usually want to stay in a place and a team wants that player to stay, there's always a way to get it done. So we could see. And with injuries that these guys have yeah. been through, like I, I'd be, I would say if you want to get security, like, yep. hey, if I'm Ryan Hartman or even Felino, yeah. like I've had some injuries in my past, why not? Yeah. Before I even get, you know, that's the worst thing that could happen in a contract year, right? Is to get to get yep. banged up. So, yep. yeah, no, it's a good point. And uh, so that's why I'm starting to just wonder if we see these extensions come across our laptops uh, pretty, pretty soon. We'll see. One guy uh, we didn't get to is Kale Madison. Speaking yeah. of guys getting their contract year and, and we kind of joked that it was like the worst holdout of all time because he was here all summer working out, even though he was a. RFA with no contract. Yeah, um, he didn't hide the fact that he wasn't. <laughs> he, <laughs> he was here all the time. And <laughs> let's put it this way: like you know, two years ago, uh, Wild fans will remember that Billy Guerin had to get on a private jet to go get Kaprizov in Miami and bring him here on the Eva camp. He didn't have to do that with Kalen Addison. No. He, was in, he was in Minnesota all summer, uh, and in, to his credit, like he he wanted to prove that he wants to be here. That he you know is a part of this part of this group going forward. He loves the the guys on the team. He loves the. The, the area so a uh, big part for him is 
much less training camp talk, which we were impressed with his, his press conference the other day because he said all the right things and he came across as sincere as that he had that different mentality of, hey, I need to prove myself again and uh, I need to learn from Jared Spurgeon. I need to be in the right areas. I need to be able to be uh, smarter on my own end, which has been the always biggest issue with him. He's really skilled and great in the power play, but he needs to bring that grit and that defensive awareness and hockey sense to the other end. So um, he said all the right things and it'll be very important to see what he does in the preseason and camp because they're going to give him that opportunity yep. to be that third pairing D, right? So I don't know what you're looking for yep. from him this, this camp. Came in unbelievably fit, 7% mm-hmm. body fat, which uh, by the way, this morning I measured my pinky and it was 7% <laughs> body fat. So there we go. Hey, uh, Joe, really appreciate it. Without further ado, let's get to Pat Maroon. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, as mentioned, uh, Joe Smith, Michael Russo, uh, really happy to be joined by Pat Maroon, the newest member of the Minnesota Wild. And uh, Pat, this, uh, you know, after July 1, this really did, you know, come right out of the blue. Uh, you were actually at Ryan McDonough's cabin in Bossom Lake. And if you could kind of remind everybody about that whole uh, that whole phone call and how that all came about. Yeah, obviously, we were at dinner up in Bossom Lake and uh, I got a text from Julian say, please call me. <laughs> and I showed Ryan, I said, I'd probably get in trade. He's like, probably not. Maybe it's, he's just asking about a player since, you know, it's closer for agency. I don't know. Was it the day after? Yeah. Yeah. It was the day after. And, um, time I stood up, he, he was calling me and I walked outside and he's like, Hey, you've been traded. So, um, it's kind of a short and sweet call, but, um, yeah, obviously my time in Tampa was great. You know, winning two Stanley Cups, going to the three Stanley Cup finals. Good core guys. Obviously, I'm going to miss it there a lot, but, you know, it's always nice to move on, and I'm kind of used to it now. But um, coming back to sit down, um, I was like, I've been traded. And they're like, you're lying to me. I'm like, no. And they're like, to where? And I'm like, you're not going to believe it. I'm like, to fucking Minnesota. (laughs) So... um, so yeah, so that thanks, Sicky. So that happened, and um, obviously the wife was upset, crying a bit. Obviously, it's always hard for the wives to come in and uh, be a part of a new team. For us guys, it's easy because we get to go in and meet twenty five or twenty three, mm-hmm. you know, guys that you can be friends with right away, and you're with them right away. So it's easy to adapt for them. I think it's a little bit harder moving families. So, but certainly excited for this transition. Uh, seemed like my time in. Tampa was, you know, just maybe running still a bit, you know, in and out of the lineup. Um, so, yeah, you know, but I can't thank Julian and and uh, and Coop for giving me the opportunity to, you know, prove what I can bring to a team. And, 
Yeah, it was awesome. I had my I lived there now, Tampa, and like I said, they were so nice to me, Julian and Darcy and Coop and all assistants were so great to me. And obviously, my time there was so much fun. But I'm also super excited to be on a team that's trying to do the same thing Tampa was four years ago. Yeah, you're dealt. You're around two Minnesota guys, right? And McDonough and then Galagoski. I'm sure. What was kind of their sales job of, of telling you? What was their impressions of telling you what you're like about being? Yeah, I think, yeah, obviously Kaylee and Ryan were helping us out right away. They know Minnesota in the back of their hands. And um, obviously the next day we doc, we we uh, anchored up with uh, Goose and his wife. And, you know, they were talking and making us feel comfortable and where to live, where not to live, and, you know, where all the guys live. So it's always comfortable. But obviously it's, it's fresh too, so you're still kind of shocking away and you're still not trying to process any of that. Still July, you still have three months before training camp. So you're not trying to really think about, you know, where you're going to live. You know, I know they're trying to help us out in a way and it's really nice. And uh, Ryan and Kaylee were so sweet and trying to find a way to calm us down a bit. But at the end of the day, it's, it's part of the business. But they were so helpful. Um, Galagowski's and obviously Ryan and Kaylee are top notch and they were helping us out tremendously. And, uh, yeah, we made sure to have a party, too, after that. So we had fun <laughs> after the trade, so yeah. we made sure to have fun. Yeah, July 4th on Balsam Lake. It could yeah. be fun. Um, I was, and that, that's what I was struck by on your conference call the next day on Zoom is how professional you were. Like, you know, sometimes you're, you're traded from a team like Tampa, well, not just the lifestyle down there, but how great the team is, how close-knit it is. You wonder how what the reaction is to be suddenly traded to a team that, like the Wild that's trying to get to that spot, as you mentioned. Um, but I was shocked at just watching you on that Zoom. You, you, I mean, you, it felt like you turned the page, even though all this was going on in the background with your wife and and just the shock and awe of getting traded. Yeah, I mean, listen, I've been traded before, and I think it's being traded, that means a team wants you, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that a GM wants you, a coach wants you, or someone wants you in that organization that has belief in you, and maybe that can help their team. Listen, I'm not going to help their team. You know, I'm going to try my best to get on the score sheet every night, you know, help my teammates, protect my teammates, make them feel bigger every night, um, you know, try to produce and try to bring energy for the locker room and just a voice where, you know, I can maybe guide some people. And, uh, you know, like at the end of the day, it's part of the business and it's exciting too. Like it's an opportunity to keep playing and, uh, you know, prove Minnesota I can still do this and, you know, help a team and, you know, 31 other teams too. So it's not always – you know, you can't really look at it as a negative. It's usually a positive in my mind because uh, you get an opportunity to go prove another team. And uh, hopefully it extends my career. You know, I want to keep playing as long as I can. And, um, you know, this is a good opportunity for me to come to a new team, fresh team, and prove, you know, why I'm worth something. You've been the new guy several times, of course, and I think about the Lightning uh, years where you came into established locker room. Guys have been there forever and, like, established leaders and you're able to have a voice right away like just what's the key in your mind of come being the new guy coming into a team like this one too has been together a long time and you know having your become an impact in the room as a voice as kind of a personality with the group yeah i think most importantly you don't want to do it right off the bat you just kind of read the room and um you know if people ask me questions I'll, i'll answer them or if people want me to speak up i'll speak up and i think you just kind of have to read the room and you know um and just kind of see where we're at at that time. But, you know, I just try to bring energy in the room. I speak up. I say I'm pretty honest to guys, and <laughs> I don't really shy away from that. But I think that's good because guys respect that more. And, you know, guys want to hear that stuff, hear criticism. But it's not criticism. It's just like, 
you know, I'm here for you. I, I, we want to do the right things or, you know, we don't want to keep doing the wrong things, right? So uh, for me, I just try to do as much as I can and, uh, you know, bring that happy energy, you know. What stands out to me, too, is the guys I talked to at Tampa early on that year, they were just still kind of hurt from the year before in Columbus, and they mentioned how they're still kind of living in the past a bit, and, and you were one of the vocal voices of saying, what was your kind of message to them when they kind of, did you kind of sense that they needed a little bit of a, you know, turn the page there, and how do you kind of sense how you were able to kind of help with that? Yeah, for sure, because I was getting asked questions about it, and I wasn't even part of the team, and I thought, <laughs> I was like, darn Joe, you should have known that. <laughs> But I think, yeah, I just told the guys and, you know, when we had leadership group, it's just like, stop talking about Columbus. Columbus is over. It's, this is now. It's present. This is what we can control. And uh, the same core groups here, maybe a couple new faces, mm -hmm. but why Why we focus on that? Why don't we turn the page and go find an opportunity to get better and work on things that didn't work last year, right? And I think that's the most important thing, I think. And obviously, defensive thing was a big thing for them. And, and we focus on being a defensive team, but we still had a high-power offense that we can still create. And I think we sent that message, and that's what the message was. And I think at the end of the day, if you want to move forward in the playoffs, you got to defend, and you know you got to not be hemmed in your zone. You got to break out cleaner, and once you break out fast, you're you're now you're playing in your offense and your strengths. And I think that was the message, and uh, finding ways to play those 2-1 hockey games, those 3-2 hockey games, and, you know, playing the right way because at the end of the day, the ice shrinks uh, come, you know, March, April, May, and June. So, um, yeah, we just try to get past that message and just say, fuck, fuck Columbus. It's it's over, and we just got to focus on the 22 guys that are in this locker room and whoever comes to us, and you know, in uh, the trade deadline. So, and make sure the message is we're here to win a Stanley Cup and, and we're going to prove everyone wrong kind of thing. That's exactly what Carroll was saying the other day about the Wild last year. It's like last year's last year. We're just looking at this year. Uh, we're talking to Pat Maroon. Uh, three straight cups, went to four straight finals. Uh, the 2019 Cup, I was blown away when we were walking over here, and you said your son Anthony was 15 because <laughs> I still envision him as that kid watching from afar on TV, you know, crying when you're scoring the big goals and, and all that stuff. Uh, man, does time fly. Um, coming now here to showcases and things like that. But looking back on the on on the last three or four years, how just special it has it been for not only your son Anthony but your your family as well uh, here in Minnesota now. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, if someone had told me this five years ago, what happened the last you know five four years, uh, I would have said you're full of shit, right? <laughs> um, but I think for me to go back home and live out my childhood dream which was to always you know play in the nhl for one but uh to put on a blue note jersey a, a team that i watched growing up my whole my whole life and uh to have my son be a part of that but you know my mom and dad my brothers my sister my wife and her family and my my friends and to have them witness you know obviously not the beginning of the year but you know how we kind of took over halfway you know halfway through the year at the end there and kind of just said screw everyone else here's how we're going to play and this is what we're going to do and we had that swagger that a lot of teams didn't have right yeah. and we just we stuck with it and we got goaltending when we needed it but I think at the end of the day winning the Stanley Cup in front of my that's the most important thing is lifting the Stanley Cup and being from St. Louis was unbelievable I mean you know watching my parents cry hugging them you know in Boston I think um you kind of 
you know, all those car rides with your parents and going to Chicago, Detroit, and listening to your parents' music that you don't want to listen to kind of just all paid <laughs> off in one. And, but I had the opportunity to do it in my hometown. It was, it was really unique. Yeah. But I think moving forward and, you know, winning two and then winning three, it was just like, holy shit, I can't believe this. And almost winning four. Um, but, you know, that's what, you know, being on good teams and being on good leadership teams and being with players I understand and taking the next step and willing to sacrifice some things that they probably – weren't doing in the past yeah. and I think that's that's the key to that and you learn so much and I've learned so much from playing in Anaheim to Edmonton to Jersey and all these teams of leadership groups and being a leader and you know how to come to the rink every day and I think that's the most important thing but obviously at the end goal you want to lift yeah. the Stanley Cup but it's I can't write the script but it's been an amazing you know four years um for my family my yeah. son got to witness something a lot of kids that probably don't get to witness a lot, yeah. and um, I think that's a unique situation. Tell tell us a little more about your your parents because uh, <laughs> one of the cool thing during you know when you went to the fourth straight uh, final, I was helping Joe cover the series for the Athletic, and and I said to Joe, I'm like, we got to do a Pat Maroon story, but you've written everything that possible, and you're like, call his parents, and I remember sitting on this patio, the Sheridan, along the water howling listening to your mom and dad speak to me on the phone like just laughing my ass off to some of their stories and everything yeah um you know, how supportive have they been for your career and just what what have they meant to you yeah i was parents um they sacrifice so much and when you have kids you learn so much how how hard it is and how hard you have to sacrifice for your own kids and make sure they're good good kids for one and make sure they're you know you raise them properly and make sure they're very respectful and and they've done such a good job of that of making sure they're raising really good kids they raised four good kids and uh they did it being funny they did it being mean um <laughs> i think my parents are very witty very funny uh but they're also good parents and they raised they raised all four of us really well and and I think that's the most important thing for us uh, to always be respectful no matter what, who it is. And um, when you're in a work environment, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And I think that's the most important thing is saying good morning, you know, saying the thank yous if you get something to you. And I think they did that. And um, But I think the car rides, too, going from practice and going from home, just having conversations with them that – you know, probably 12 or 15 year old probably doesn't want to have, but I think you learn so much from that. And, uh, like I said, they're, they've been great parents. They've been so supportive, uh, over me, over the, over my career. They've been there since day one for me. Um, they sacrificed a lot of weekends for me to, you know, live out that dream. And now I get the opportunity to sacrifice them to come watch me play and do the things I, I love to do, which is playing in the NHL. And I think that's the most important thing. Obviously, you being a dad, and now I see a girl dad, too, uh, Goldie. Um, and you've obviously been around a lot of families in Tampa. Everybody had, seemed like that. Everybody had a kid who was two or three years old. And there was a picture I wanted to show you of you dressed up at, uh, I think, McDonough's son's birthday party. Yeah. Buzz Lightyear is Pat Maroon in uh, full outfit. So, you know, obviously, it's pretty hot, I'm sure, that day. But just what do you remember about that day and kind of how it got, how this all kind of came to be where you were, uh, where you get the costume anyways, you know? <laughs> I think... So I think the McDonough's got the costume and they asked me if I wanted to be Buzz for, uh, I think it was 
Merce birthday. Yeah, Merce birthday. Yeah. Merce birthday. And uh, they asked me, and I was like, yeah, absolutely, I'll do that. And it's all about the kids. And like I said, guys, I'm like a funny guy. I'll do anything. And I try to, you know, and I love all the kids. I think, you know, being around families, being around kids and um, watching them smile and watching them, you know, get a kick out of it. But, yeah, Buzz was doing a lot of slides that day. I was in the pool with the costume. I was going down slides, going down the water tank. Uh, but we had a wonderful day that day, and I'm glad it made, you know, all these kids smile. You were Santa Claus, too, in St. Louis, you said? Like, I how was, did that kind of come? They, they needed someone to deliver presents, and uh, <laughs> we went to Tyler Bozak's house, and they asked me if I can be Santa Claus. It was, yeah, I said, yeah, I'll be Santa Claus. So they didn't know. And um, I think I did a good job and brought some presents. And uh, then I got, I left and I changed. I came back and all the kids were like, why is Francesca here? Why weren't you here? But I'm sure, (laughs) I'm sure they knew, but hopefully they didn't know. But yeah, um, I'm willing to do whatever. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, A couple more minutes with you, Pat. Uh, It seems like just watching your social media, I mean, you have a lot of friends uh, away from the game too, a lot of famous friends. Uh, What what do you like away from the ice? What do you like to do? Uh, And and all that type of stuff. Uh, Well, I love golfing. I think golfing's a big thing of mine, but I enjoy everything. Uh, going to concerts, yeah, I love going to concerts. To uh, I think uh, for me, we try to make time to go in the summer to have some concerts and do all that good stuff. And uh, I've met a lot of people in my game and in this game in this industry, and I've been fortunate enough to, you know, get close to some of them. So I think um, to have that connections, and I think this is a game where you know where you play, but you you want to make those connections too. But yeah, we love concerts. Me and my wife love concerts. We love going to them, and, um, you know, we try to make the most of it. Speaking of concerts, I talked to a former teammates today. They asked questions to you, and they wanted to uh, know about Let Her Cry. Um, and uh-huh. and uh, was that becoming your go-to song? And do you remember what was the most memorable part of singing it at the Cup Celebration at Eddie V's? I think you had a, a solo performance there. I did have a solo performance <laughs> at Eddie V's, and I can't bring it to you because I might have been a little drunk, but... <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, Hooting the Bullfish is, uh, my favorite band. Um, Tracy Chapman, they're both, uh, 1A, 1B. Uh, but yeah, Hootie's been my favorite band since I was a young kid and Let Her Cry has been all my all time favorite song. So that's my go-to karaoke song. Yeah. I, uh, I still have this recollection of like years ago, flying to Raleigh from Washington DC and all of a sudden I look right across from me and there's Darius Rocker and I was like, you know, yeah. just absolute starstruck. Um, I just want to ask you, you've played with some incredible players at all your stops, and most recently guys like Kucherov, Point, Stamkos, Tarasenko in St. Louis. Um, you have got you haven't gotten a chance yet in, in training camp to skate with Kaprizov in practice, but you did skate it with him in the captain's practices. Um, a lot of Wild fans just want to know, like, you know, with all your, your, your stars that you've played with, where do you put him up already, and what do, what do you think separates him from, from a lot of them? Well, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I think he's a hell of a player. I think he's got a tremendous upside to his game. He's fast. He uses he uses his edge work really well. He sees the game really well. He's fast. Um, he can make plays, you know, at a high level. And I think a lot of people can't make. Uh, yeah, I put him up there with all those guys. I think he's only going to get better every single year. Um, and I think that's what that's what's good about all these top. And players, they elevate their game every single year, and that's what they want to do. They want to get better uh, each year. And uh, yeah, I put them up there with I put them up there with all the top guys in the league: Cooches of the world, the points of the world, the McDavid's, the Drysidles, 
uh, the Crosbys and Malkin, you know, guys that are still Kopi, the guys that still play the game. And, uh, you know, there's one thing I noticed about Curl. He plays the game hard, too. He's not he's not afraid to bang his body, throw his body around, get in the corners. And I think that's a unique thing. And, um, and like I said, you know, these top guys want to get better every single year. And, and these top guys want to win every single year, too. Um, I know that. So all these guys have chips on their shoulders to win every single year because, you know, that's that's what the end goal is to lift that Stanley Cup. And you put it in two different places, and I know there's no one recipe or one thing to do it, but fans want to also know, is there certain things you've seen from the Wild playing against them and then being around them the last few weeks in terms of how close they are that the standouts to you are ingredients for a Cup team that kind of are, is there any foundation there for like a group that may not be overnight, but they can have a, a group that can do it? Yeah, that's one thing, Joe, that a lot of people don't understand or fans, any team – can win a Stanley Cup and I think that's the best part about the NHL because um, we can go in at an eight seed you can win a Stanley Cup and I think a lot of a lot of leagues are not like that you can probably pinpoint who's going to win each year um, like for the NHL we don't know who's going to win I think once you're in the playoffs any anyone can win on any given day and I think that's the best part uh, yes, we do have the ingredients to win a Stanley Cup, and that's our goal is to win a Stanley Cup. Um, I think we have all the top-end players. I think we have the skill. We have the defense. You know, we have the goaltending, so I don't. there's no reason why we can't do that. I mean, look like a team in Vegas, you know, take them, and they didn't really, they didn't really have a strong regular season, did they? So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's any given day. Look at a team like Florida, HC, they go into the Stanley Cup Finals. They could have won too, right? So... It's not about it's about how you play in uh, April, May, and June. That's the most important thing. It's it's not how you get to the playoffs. I look at it as an eighty-two game dress rehearsal, and how are we going to fix our game? How are we going to limit the mistakes that we did in the regular season uh, to get us there? Because the ice does shrink. Are you willing to sacrifice? Are our top guys willing to sacrifice to dump the puck in? You know when we need to dump mm -hmm. the puck in during crunch time. Are we willing to block a shot? Are we willing to get the puck out? Are we trying to? Are we willing not to make the extra play? I think that's what defines championship teams. And and also, it's it's all off the ice, too. Come together as a group, and I think making sure everyone feels comfortable away from the rink, and when they come to the rink, they feel like they, they can play. And that's with the young guys, older guys, no matter what. And I think it starts off the ice, and it brings together. Because if you feel comfortable off the ice, you're going to feel more comfortable on the ice. And I think that's the most important thing. But it's the end goal is to win a Stanley Cup, and that's what we're here for is to win. Any team can win. And uh, I have full belief in this group and that we can go out there and win it this year. And I think that's a unique thing about the NHL. You never know what's going to happen. You never know who's going to win it. And obviously they have the rankings every year, but sometimes the rankings never <laughs> they never uh, pan out to be they yeah, are. So. Usually not. Um, by the way, you have any great outfits uh, planned for opening night? Or uh, you are the one of the greatest uh, dressed uh, NHL players? Uh, I don't know. I have to go get a new suit because I can't recycle the same ones. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, hey, Pat, uh, really looking forward to covering you. I know Joe's had the pleasure in the past, but, uh, you know, really excited to, to cover you in this uh, in this sweater. And uh, we'll talk to you a lot this season. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yep. That is uh, Pat Maroon. And here's a word from one of our sponsors. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Well, my thanks to Pat Maroon and Joe Smith for joining this week's episode of Straight from the Source. Hopefully everybody enjoyed the episode. As you know, The Athletic has podcast throughout our platform. And unfortunately, though, our final The Athletic Hockey Show roundtable with Rob Pizzo, Jesse Granger, and myself will be published on Wednesday on The Athletic Podcast Network. And wherever you download uh, podcasts, I've done the show for a year. Um, it was absolutely awesome and fun to do every single week. And uh, Rob Pizzo from CBC is just a gem and a, the, one of the most polished broadcasters I've ever uh, met. And everybody knows Jesse Granger, our incredible Vegas Golden Knights reporter. Unfortunately, though, that podcast is ending and you can listen to the final one on Wednesday. You can also subscribe to The Athletic NHL's YouTube channel at YouTube.com at The Athletic Hockey Show. Um, so again, youtube.com slash at the athletic hockey show. Uh, special thanks again to Pat Maroon and Joe Smith. I'm Michael Russo from Straight from the Source. We'll be back soon. Thanks, everybody.